And Jesus answered the devil, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Luke chapter 4, verse 12. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please um, give us all ears to hear your voice, your word this morning. Please bless and use my words to build us up in the knowledge of you. Amen. This morning I want to tell you three very brief stories that juxtapose against our Lord being tempted in the wilderness. Um, The first is, of course, uh, the first Adam. Adam in the garden created the first man who the devil presented to him the choice to follow his own will and his own appetites against God's commands. And he failed catastrophically. He and Eve together followed their own will, their own appetite. They thought the the fruit looked good for food. And in doing so, they brought death into the cosmos. All death. All decay, all deterioration that exists in the world stems from the sin of Adam. It's not just an incidental feature of nature as God made it. It wasn't supposed to be this way. It's because of sin that death reigns presently. Contrast against this backdrop of the first Adam, whom St. Paul calls the last Adam, Jesus, who is also presented with the opportunity to follow his own will and his own appetite, Right, with the first temptation, turn this stone into bread, like to follow his appetite of hunger and his own will, um, because it says it was the Spirit who led him into the wilderness where there isn't food. And so it was, will he make do on his own or follow where God has led him? And he chooses, uh, contrary to how the first Adam chose, and chooses not to follow his own will or his own appetite, but obeys God and thus passes the test and conquers the tempter in a way that Adam failed. Okay, the second story. The people of Israel, who we just heard about um, in Deuteronomy and were studying in Sunday evenings, of course, uh, was led into Egypt, grew as a multiple, a great, into a great people in Egypt, and then were led by Moses, as we're just about to start studying next week in Christian education, um, and traveled th- through water, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness. And very early on, um, within a couple days of their going into the wilderness, they began to disbelieve, despite all the miracles they just witnessed with their own eyeballs, they began to disbelieve that God was truly with them and would truly sustain them in the wilderness. And so they start grumbling. Is God going to provide us any water? We're just going to die of thirst. And God, who loves his people, even though they grumbled, still provided water. But his judgment was brought against them because of their grumbling. And that place was permanently named the place of grumbling. So Israel disbelieved that God was with them and they challenged God to prove himself. Right? Come on, God, show us that you're really going to provide for us. Which is the opposite of trusting. Right? If you need proof, you don't really trust. Trust says, no, I don't need proof, I, I just trust that thing. In this case, trusting God. So against the backdrop of old Israel, Christ, who is himself the new Israel, is challenged by devil, the devil to test God. Right? If you throw yourself off this temple, the angels will catch you. It says right there, so right there in Psalm 91, which we just read. And so he's challenging 
Jesus to be like older Joe, to, to test God, to say to God, prove it. Prove that that prophecy is true. Prove that you really will catch me if I fall. And unlike old Israel, who failed the test and who grumbled, and they, they failed the test because they tested, Jesus doesn't choose to test the Father. He trusts the Father. He says, no. Like, um, it says, Thou shalt, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. You shouldn't look for proof. You should just trust him. And so unlike the old Israel, Jesus himself doesn't test God in the wilderness. Okay, the third story is, is us. Think for a second. It's a hard thought to bear. But think for a second um, how many, by quantity, how many times you've given in, I've given in, think about just yourself, given in to temptation. I was trying to just even get like a rough estimate, and it's upwards of at least 20,000, which is a horrifying thought. That every giving in to temptation means sin, right? When you give in to temptation, that's a sin against God and his majesty and his laws. And here we have the good news. As we heard at the end of Romans, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the, the chief, the central, the good news is that even though we've sinned against him 20,000 times, 20 times, 20,000 times, because he, Jesus, never sinned and is righteous, and we are found in him by faith, we are counted as righteous as he is before the Father. That's the good news, that even though we fail the test over and over again, when Satan whispers in our ear, how often do I just rush to follow that whispering? When we come to the Lord, it says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are able to be forgiven because there was one, I shouldn't say was, there is one, Jesus, fully man, fully one of us, the only man who ever resisted temptation for his entire life, who never sinned. And in his perfection of righteousness that is so super abundant in himself, he shares it with us by covering us under the shadow of his wing, that we are not counted as exiles and wicked before God, but cleansed and holy before God as he is. this gospel truth that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved has a sort of a secondary meaning in this context that we're talking about, that because we're in Christ, an additional piece of good news is that the one, the spirit of the one who conquered temptation now lives within you. If you have faith and you've been baptized into his death and resurrection, his Spirit, it's called the, the Holy Spirit is called also the Spirit of Christ, lives within you. So the one who conquered temptation every time is within you. And this means that for the first time in human history, beginning with Christ's death and resurrection, it is now actually possible to resist temptation. Before Christ, it was actually impossible. There was no strength to do it. And on your own strength, if you try and just so sort of stoically, like, tighten your knuckles and say, I'm going to resist this time, I can actually speak prophetically that I guarantee you, you will fail. It's a guarantee. This flesh is so weak. 
There's no way to overcome temptation on your own. I know this from experience. Um, but do you remember um, the kind of wrestling craze of the late 90s, early 2000s, like worldwide, WWE, it used to be called WWF, now WWE, where you could wrestle, and you could wrestle as um, tag teams, where it would be two wrestlers against two, and if you were getting in trouble, you could like tap the hand of your, your buddy wrestler, and he would jump in the ring, and then go at the guy who was going at you. That's a good 90s reference, I, I see a few, a few of you get. But um, that's the best analogy I could come up with for what it's like that Christ lives within us. If you're wrestling yourself, you're going to get pinned and lose and fall into sin every time. But we're not wrestling alone. We're actually a tag team. That if you just reach out your hand, and the way to do that is the prayer that the church writes on our hearts by including in almost every prayer, Lord, have mercy. Say, Lord, Lord, have mercy. You tag the conqueror of temptation, and he wrestles for you. Try it. If you've never tried it, it works. If you call on his name, he will actually repel the devil. Repel, he will subdue your own flesh that's working against you and and he conquers sin in you the key is just to reach out to tag for him as long as you're wrestling by yourself certain failure but if you reach out lord have mercy he will always the the scripture promises he'll always be strong to save the gospel wraps around this whole reality nonetheless that even in our weakness, when in a moment of temptation, in our sort of spiritual blindness and moral crippledness, we don't even think to reach out to, for his help, and we fall into sin, the same sins again. It was always true. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. His mercy enshrouds us before and behind. Amen.